0: Welcome everyone to the Capel Radio Show.
1: This My, is Miss Capel, and today is October third, twenty
0: sixteen. Yay! Okay, we are going to continue with the Genesis one prophecy, and today, the long-awaited day. We're actually going to do Genesis one one. Yep. Go figure. Go figure. Been talking about it what three weeks now? Yep. Haven't got to Genesis one one. Now we are, and the subtitle is going to be Genesis. It's Genesis one prophecy future's history Hmm. what how could the future have a history how could the history have a future oh man stay tuned it's amazing it's amazing the creator god this is incredible stuff you're going to bear with me for a little bit while i lay down the foundation Mm -hmm. i'll have to lay down some theological foundation stuff some interesting pattern stuff but then we're going to get into some really meat on the Genesis 1 prophecy. Then you're going to go, whoa! And you're going to look up because your redemption, your redemption nine, and That's it. Mm. That's it. You're out of here. You're done. All right. But before we begin, let's set the tone, Miss Kapow.
1: Set the tone with a scripture in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's God speaking.
0: I like that. Do the things not yet done.
1: Right. Not yet done. But my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure.
0: You know, these little G-gods, it's amazing when you start really studying... The scripture, and you start really looking at who God is, and everything He's done and doing, and all this magnificent stuff. I mean, the little g gods just really they become smaller and smaller, and smaller, smaller. and smaller, right? And
1: it's God really, gets bigger and bigger. And I
0: bigger. know yeah. they just become so insignificant. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like just really so insignificant the idols
1: right.
0: that uh, that so many people serve. Mm-hmm. Just so. Small,
1: but what I liked about this scripture is that, um, it's talking about declaring the end from the beginning, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to study today.
0: Yes, that really sets the tone because mm-hmm. He is the Alpha and the Omega,
1: the first and the last,
0: the beginning and the end. Amen. Yes, okay,
1: we serve an incredible, incredible God.
0: I know, really. Yes, who's paved the way what? for us to return back to the original purpose of creation.
1: Mm-hmm. Before the foundation of the world.
0: Yes, and all we have to do is find, go through that little narrow gate because it's very narrow. But there's a, there's a path back to Eden. Let's leave the east and go back to Eden. Eden. Go west, young man. This. Go west. Basically, yeah. <laughs> basically, whatever you're saying. Okay, Genesis one prophecy. The future's history. All right. Like I said, hang on. The other, the other little disclaimer I want to say is, uh, Miss Capel and I, neither of us are Hebrew or Greek scholars. So we're going to do our best in the pronunciation of these words. I don't know if they're right or not. It matters little. You'll just know the meaning behind it um, I don't have a degree in linguistics or you know Hebrew or Greek, so b- bear with us on that, all right. Mm-hmm. Our good friend Anthony Cummings, who actually oh, he does yeah no, he actually teaches Hebrew and teaches Greek and things like that, so I know he will listen to this show because he, he listens to our show and Anthony, if you have any insight or any anything yeah, on what please. I say, please um please get a hold of us and let us know mm-hmm. because he's the guy who does know the, the languages. Amen. All right? I can, I can barely speak English. Seriously. I can barely speak English. Okay. Let's go to Genesis 1-1 through... We're not going to read this. I'm just. This is where our text is going to be. Genesis 1-1... Through chapter 11, verse 26, do you remember we told you from the start and last time that the first 11 chapters of Genesis is like the macro, microcosm, it's the microcosm of time and if you could take chapter 11 and go backwards, loop backwards, you're going to wind up at Genesis 1-1, the Genesis 1-1 prophecy, Mm -hmm. right? and uh and, like I said last week, I apologize the first week. I kept saying verses. These are chapters, Genesis chapter one through chapter eleven mm-hmm. one, one. so what these what these chapters provide is an introduction to the patriarchs and the Sinai covenant. It's an introduction, but not only to that, it's an introduction to the entire Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Chapters 1 through 11 form an introduction to both the book of Genesis and to the Pentateuch. Chapters 1 through 11 should be read with this dual purpose in mind, and I can't wait to do that later on. I can't wait to go back and read these chapters with that in mind, Mm -hmm. that it's an introduction to Genesis and to the Pentateuch. Hmm. These chapters set the stage for the narratives of the patriarchs, which you will find in chapters Twelve through fifty in Genesis, as well as provide the background for understanding the Sinai Covenant, which is contained Exodus through Deuteronomy. So, just in those first eleven chapters of Genesis, you have a whole lot of meat there. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of understanding can be gleaned from there. Yeah, from that. Um, especially when you're reading things, you know, about the law, and you're going, "I just don't get it. I don't understand this stuff." with having that in mind, it could be a little clearer. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay? And these first 11 chapters, there are two theological points here. First, I love this first point. God is the creator God. And this creator God is connected to the God of the fathers, the patriarchs, right? Mm -hmm. And he's connected to the God of the Sinai Covenant. He is no other God but the creator God.
1: Right. Psalm one forty six says he is he made heaven, the earth, and the sea. And that
0: that psalm hearkens right back to Genesis one one. That's right. That's the creator God. So the God that you read in the Bible, that is the God of Abraham, of Jacob, Isaac and Jacob, the God of the patriarchs, the God of Moses, the God of John the Baptist. You know, go on. This is the creator God. There is no other. Right there is a polemic against idols. Mm -hmm. These little teeny G gods, these little wannabes who have created their own little matrix down here, their own little society, their own little world, Mm -hmm. and circumvented God's original plan for creation. And they're running around doing things, and they're so insignificant. Right. Because they can't create. That's what's so funny. Every time you read a story or we post a story on Facebook, fifthhookmedia.com, Facebook, Fifth Hook Media, about Elon Musk or you know one of these guys trying to live forever. It's it's funny. Uh, also, the genetic ma- manipula- manipulation, mm-hmm. three-parent babies, you know, all that stuff, just right. trying to circumvent disease and live forever. They're trying to create a new species. They're never going to be able to. There's only one creator God. It's got to irk their nerve. Sure. They're just so insignificant. All right. That's the first theological point. The second theological point in these 11 chapters of Genesis, which formed the introduction to Genesis and the Pentateuch, is that both the call of the patriarchs and the covenant have as their ultimate goal. This is important. So underline this, folks. The ultimate goal is the reestablishment of God's original purpose in creation. Two theological points. God is the creator God. He's connected to the God of the fathers and the God of the Sinai covenant. The second point is that the call of the patriarchs and the covenant both have as their ultimate goal the reestablishment of God's original purpose in creation. That's it. So when you're a Christian, a true biblical Christian, and you found that narrow gate, and now you're on that narrow path with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're part of that reestablishment of God's original purpose in creation Mm. to redeem his creatures. Yeah.
1: in Titus 1-2 it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. And that wor- word world is aeonius, which means a period of time or eternal. It, mm-hmm. That word is, is associated with the word eternal.
0: Like uh, eon, mm-hmm. isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's not quite that
0: word. But, oh, yeah. that's what is associated with. So the covenants are marked off as the way to a new creation. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: As the way to a new creation.
1: And remember, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man can come to the Father except by him.
0: See, and then that scripture pops out and now starts coming alive Mm -hmm. when you start looking at these ancient texts. Because they're written by the same guy, the Holy Spirit.
1: And that's why when Jesus says the straight, because the straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life and very few there be that find it.
0: That's that small gate, that narrow path that we're talking about. So these covenants, these Old Testament, this Old Testament covenant in Sinai, the call of the patriarchs, they're marked off as the way to a new creation, the reestablishment of God's original purpose in creation is what that purpose is. So we can see by this reestablishment that history prophesies the future. Everything points to the reestablishment of Jesus Christ, does it not?
1: Mm-hmm. Second Timothy says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began.
0: Amen. It all ties in, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It starts to really start making sense. The Genesis 1 prophecy, it's coming, folks. So you can see that it's all scriptures interpreting scripture. It's not just just some people talking Mm -hmm. in Nevada. The land and the blessing. Let's talk about the land and the blessing in Genesis and the Pentateuch and throughout the bible actually Genesis chapter 1 and 2 form a single unit with three primary section, sections now i am saying this and what i'm leaving out is is this incredible amount of scholarly study that shows this to be true but i, I can't rearticulate all of this in in this show's time frame or in a month's time frame mm-hmm but there's an amount of scholarly study mm-hmm. that shows that chapter one and two form a single unit. And it has three primary sections. The first section, folks, is Genesis 1.1. That's it. That's the first section, Genesis 1.1. Because that verse, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the verse stands apart from the rest of chapter one in its narrative style. And like I said, there's a lot of scholarly research and reasons why it does. But for right now, just suffice it that I say that it does. The first section of this unit of chapter one and two is Genesis 1.1. The second section is Genesis 1.2 and through chapter 2, verse 3. The third is chapter 2, verse 4, through verse 25. But we're going to concentrate on Genesis 1, 1, because the title of the series is the Genesis 1 prophecy. All right? And like I said, there are reasons why they're tied as a unit, linguistically and grammatically, but we're not going to get into that in this show because I couldn't. The land, okay, the land, which is translated earth in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, and the blessing are themes that dominate the creation account. The land and the blessing, which also form the basis of the patriarchal narratives that we'll find later on in Genesis and the Sinai Covenant. And by referring to the land, the the Hebrew word is eris, as earth in our English versions, we lose the connection of early Genesis to the central theme of the land and the rest of the Pentateuch. So what I'm saying is that in the beginning, God created heaven and the eris, heaven and the land, the dirt, the earth. Now, maybe you guys don't think of it this way, but normally when I think of Genesis 1-1, I think of a globe. God created the heavens and and the planet. But let's don't think of the planet. Let's think of the land, the earth, the dirt. It still includes all of the planet, but it's the land. That way, when you start reading the blessings associated with the land and following God that blessings incur in the land of promise... It starts making sense that, in the beginning, God created heaven and the land mm-hmm. right right, and so we do lose something in that translation by translating it earth in our English. see the Hebrew language and anthony Anthony could uh you know better articulate this way better than I could, but the Hebrew language is it's very um rich mm-hmm. poetic right. You know our 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 language is stiff. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know it's it's stiff. There's one word for this or one word for that, and you know. But the Hebrew language was all kinds of shadows and subtleties Mm -hmm. that have
1: contrast. Yes, it's like a painting Mm -hmm.
0: that mean different things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on. We had mentioned the God of creation, Genesis one one. So let's get into this. In your Bibles, you'll read Genesis one one, and it will say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's your Genesis 1-1 prophecy, folks. And right now you're going, huh? How is that a prophecy? The Hebrew language is going to pull that out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The purpose of this statement is threefold. One... To identify the creator. Two, to explain the origin of the world. And three, to tie the work of God in the past to the work of God in the future.
1: Bing, 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 bing. Now, Genesis 1.1 in the King James, though, is heaven, not heavens.
0: That could have been my fault. I I wrote notes and I hand wrote this so I might have just went heaven's sake. So don't take that as a uh, theological term. So thank you for correcting that but I probably just wrote heavens in my notes. Throw the whole show out now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making up my own Bible. My own Bible translations. In the beginning God be creating the heavens and the earth is. And then he made cheese. Oh, there I go again. Okay, so I told you there's a three, threefold um, threefold purpose there.
1: Exactly. Now,
0: what's, what's amazing is that it's easy to identify the creator because that's God created. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to identify the origin of the world. He created heaven and the earth, right?
1: Right.
0: But it's not so easy to tie in the work of God in the past to the work of God in the future. Not just yet, is it?
1: No, but that's that's cool.
0: That's cool. I like that because this is part of it. So let's go to the phrase in the beginning. In the beginning, the the full phrase in the beginning is in Hebrew. Berashit, Berashit. I'm not going to try to spell that to you. <laughs> For you, it's Hebrew. Berashit. That's the full phrase of in the beginning. In your. Um, Strong's Concordances, you will have just the word rashit for beginning. It doesn't It doesn't spell out the whole in the beginning, Bereshit. But that's what's in Hebrew, Bereshit, in the beginning. And in that term, in the beginning, Bereshit, is the term beginning. In the beginning, which is Rashid, Bereshit encompasses Rashid, beginning. Rashid is a starting point of a specific duration. As in the, um, for example, as in the beginning of the year, let's say Rashid Hashanah, which is located in Deuteronomy eleven twelve. That's how it would be used. Rashid Hashanah would be the beginning of that year. That's how it's used. Now, the end of a specific period is marked by the antonym of Rashid in Hebrew. The antonym, its end, would be Aharit. Aharit. So Rashid, the beginning, the end, Aharit. Alpha and Omega Beginning and the end It's the antonym of Rashid Aharit So as in Deuteronomy eleven twelve, 12 Here's how the ending would be used in that Section The end of the year Or Aharit Shana So the beginning is Rashid Hashana The end is Aharit Shana So with the opening of Genesis 1-1 Using the term, in the beginning, Be'ah Rashid, Genesis 1.1 has marked creation as the starting point of a period of time. Hmm. Oh, I need a drum roll. Brr, thank you. That's, that's more like a machine gun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's an AR-15 to be exactly. I think you're shooting bullets. Genesis 1.1 marks creation as the starting point of a period of time. You read a scripture
2: mm-hmm.
0: earlier uh, and I said, well, does that mean aeon? Or, uh, and mm-hmm. You said, no, it's mm-hmm. a different word. And it said a duration of time. Right. Eternity. But you said duration of time. Well, this marks creation as a starting point of a period of time. You know what that means? That means there's an end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's an end right in that statement. Okay, so it marks it as a period of time. So example, here's a a goofy example. Hence, will here be the beginning of the history which follows, is what it's saying. Mm -hmm. Do you know how, how pregnant this is? That means that if this marks the beginning of the history that follows, In the rest of Genesis and the rest of the Bible, then there's stuff before. That's right. This just marks the beginning of time. This period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Time and reality that we know. Right. There's a whole lot we don't know. Mm -hmm. And what transpired before that. And we get into all kinds of stuff of why the earth was... Formless and void. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Things like that. Right? Right. Pre-Adamite stuff or, you know, Anuki or, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. You can get into all that stuff. But it's amazing if you think about it, that in the beginning starts this period of time. This reality, I would say, that we understand.
1: Right. Well, to me, it sounds, it looks like this is me, Okay. Um, A number line. You have numbers one through eternity or infinity. Mm-hmm. And then before the number one is zero. Yeah. And then before the zero are all the negative numbers. Negative e- integers. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's what it looks like to me. It's eternal, but yet number one starts the positive number line.
0: Yeah, the positive integers, right? Yeah. yeah. From here on out, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Visualize it like that. I mean,
1: that. that's how I see it.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. The time before time was. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. So we're not going to talk about that today, but it's it's huge. It's pregnant with that. You know what I mean? It's it's wow. You know how did Mars get all the craters on it? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, it's amazing. Okay. So, the history. To be related from this point onwards, from Genesis 1 1, the history that's to be related from that point onwards has heaven and earth for its object, its scenes, and its factors. At the head of this history stands the creation of the world. So the rest of history, as we know it, centers around these things the earth, its objects, its scenes, its factors. There's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. It just makes you realize just how big the creator God is. It's That's why I said at the beginning of the show, the more you look into this stuff, the smaller these little G gods become. They're mm-hmm. so insignificant. They're so stupid. They're trying to create this matrix, this 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 society, this world down here. Mm-hmm. They're trying to live forever. They, they, they create their little slave race out of humans. And it's just, it's a failure. It's just a failure. Amen. Okay. So, let's look then, because we looked at in the beginning,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Berashit. In the beginning, in that term is beginning Rashit, right? So, Rashit, as other places in, in the scripture, I pointed out Deuteronomy, two places. There is a, a beginning of, of of Rashid, and there's an end, Arashid, mm-hmm. end of the year. It's a, a duration of time. So now let's look at the end of that duration of time. And this reminds me of Alpha and Omega,
1: mm-hmm.
0: beginning and end, doesn't it? It does. And the first and the last.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like in Isaiah, there's like Isaiah 41... 4, 44, 6, 48, 12, where God actually declares himself to be the first and the last. Mm. And then you go to forward in Revelation 1, 11, 17, and 2 and 8, 22 and 13, where it's addressed the same, Gosh. where he declares himself the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, and That's just, beginning and the end.
0: That just boggles my mind that you can take the scriptures
1: Mm-hmm.
0: these scriptures and because they're they're authored by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of righteousness Amen. the deep threads, the meanings the mm-hmm. purpose are woven through what? Genesis 1 1? Isaiah? Now Revelation? Mm-hmm. I, I find it fascinating that Genesis 1 1 marks the beginning of a duration of time and we're going to talk about the ending of that duration of time within that scripture. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, canonical scriptures end with a book of Revelation that talks about that end mm-hmm. and then the beginning of the new heaven and the earth. Yeah. That cannot be by accident. There is no human way possible. Human authors could have threaded Mm-mm. the scriptures with such, you know, mm-hmm. It's so robust. Right. It's hard to really articulate, but it's Mm -hmm. just amazing. It is. Praise the Lord. Amazing. That's why it's so fascinating to actually read the scriptures and study the Bible Mm -hmm. instead of chasing red-haired giants. (laughs) Right? That's right. You can chase red-haired giants around all you want and believe all these stories and do all these, you know what I mean? It's just so milky and... Sugary. It's just candy. You know, this is this right here is meat. This mm-hmm. stuff feeds the soul. This is what you need to eat when you're on that little narrow gate. That's right. That that the other stuff, UFOs chasing and fairy chasing, that ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it.
2: Mm-mm.
0: That's just sugar. You're gonna burn that off real quick. Okay, so let's this we're gonna look at in the end the alpha and the mega. Okay, by starting history with a beginning or a Rashid, Rashid. Right? In the beginning. Berah Rashid, beginning. By starting history with a Rashid, it's a word that's often paired with its antonym, Aharit, which means the end. It's often paired with that. Genesis 1.1 not only commences a history of God and His people, it also prepares the way for the consummation of that history at the end of time, or aharit. So already in Genesis 1-1, the concept of the last days fills our minds. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let let me be clear. Genesis 1-1 does not contain the Hebrew word aharit. It does not contain the word in. But I'm going to show you how, because in woven in the rest of Genesis in the Pentateuch, and woven really throughout scripture oh, yeah. is the beginning and the end is mm-hmm. the resit and the aharit. Mm-hmm. And because the Holy Spirit just said in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, in the beginning he leaves that there that you know there is an aharit. Mm-hmm. If there's a beginning, there's an end. I am the Alpha, I'm the Omega. You just read a bunch of scriptures and or mm-hmm. talked about a bunch of scriptures and Isaiah that talked about that.
2: Right.
0: okay so it's that's why it has to be mined out it's dug out we're going to see that Mm. you'll see the other biblical writers referring to that so um,
1: that's why we need to die in order to start a new life in Christ
0: yeah yeah there has, there's a Rashid and Aharit. Mm-hmm. There's a beginning and then you have to end and then you start a new creation.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's all, we talked about that last week, the typology of the narratives.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we're really focusing on, on this, his, this, this history that's future.
3: Right.
0: It's future's history. So the growing focus found in the Bible on the times of the end, right? End times. Times of the end, the growing focus on this, it's a term called the times of the end or end times or end of days or last days, however you want to say it. The Hebrew term is Aharit Hayamim. Aharit Hayamim. Folks, this is going to get interesting because this term Aharit Hayamim is only found four times in the entire scriptures. And we're going to talk about three of those times. The other time is found in Deuteronomy 4, and I don't know what that's about because I didn't read it. But I'm going to talk about the other three times. That Aharit Hayamim is used, and it's called times of the end or end times. You'll recognize it begins with Aharit, in, and Hayamim, times or days, right? Hayyamim is an extension to the end, the word Aharit. Found or anticipated in Genesis 1 1. It's Rashid. So it's Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and it is anticipated that the end would be Aharit. Aharit Hayyamim. He created, and there's a day that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, we're going to start a whole new thing, man. Time as we know it, history as we know it, the life that we know it, that's going to be over. Right. That period, that duration, it's, it's over. I kind of, um, when I was discussing this with Ms. Kapow the other day, I kind of put it like, okay, you wake up at uh, 12 midnight and you go, hey, today's your birthday. Rashid, the beginning of today is your birthday. Mm -hmm. But I know, we all know that it has an end. Your birthday doesn't begin and just go on forever.
2: Right.
0: And so all day you celebrate your birthday. And that's from that point on, that day is about your birthday. It's always about your birthday. That day, that whole day from that point on. But that reality that you know will soon end. And then it's 12 midnight. And it's not going to anymore. And now it's a harit. It's over. It's the end. It's not your birthday anymore. There's a new beginning. Now you got to go back to work, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, and make a living. A fundamental principle reflected in Genesis 1, 1 and the prophets, the prophetic vision of the times of the end and the rest of the Bible is this. This is important. The last things will be like the first things. This is your Genesis 1 1 prophecy. Here it is. The last things will be like the first things. And that is why Jesus says in the last days, the arid Hayimim, it'll be like the days of Noah. See, the days of Noah were like the first things. When the world was so corrupted, so evil. And so violent bloodshed was covered the face of the earth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to look around today and go, I know we've had wars. I know people have killed each other throughout history. We understand that. Has there been this level of bloodshed on this planet? I
2: don't think so.
0: I don't think so. Well, there hasn't. We've got more people on this planet than ever. And there's more bloodshed than ever. There's more evil, more wickedness. This, the planet itself, the earth, the land, is not going in a positive direction. It's going in that negative. It is in that negative direction. Not going. It is in that negative direction, as in the days of Noah, before God repented that he even created man and destroyed the earth. That's I honestly believe that's where we're at.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, too, it, it, it's just so evil. And the the news that we read... The evil is global. There's nowhere there's nowhere to go where Mm-mm. it's safe.
0: No, there's really? no other country you can go. You can't go to Cuba and find sanctuary. You can't go to Sweden. can't go to France. There's nowhere to go. People used to come here to America. It's not like that no more. Mm-mm. It's not the place to come.
1: No, now they're being warned that it's unsafe here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's looked at a very unsafe place. And it is. Great, you, you just never know Mm-mm. what's going to go on around you. you. You have no idea who's going to snap and flip out. There's a lot of strange folks out there. Yeah. Even if they don't harm you or do you harm they're just very, very... Odd. There's a very strange spirit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Very strange spirit. So the last things will be like the first things. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. The last things are going to be like the first things. So if... We have arrived at the Genesis. If we have arrived at Genesis one, like like I heard in my dream, mm-hmm. you know, we've arrived at Genesis one several times. If we've arrived at Genesis one, then certainly the last things that we're experiencing are like the very first things. And so, if Genesis one, what what was that? Right. That was the creation. So we should experience a new creation.
2: Right
0: right mm-hmm. Isaiah sixty five seventeen says behold I will create a new earth so Isaiah writing under the inspiration of the spirit of righteousness ties right back to Genesis 1 1 doesn't he mm-hmm. and Revelation 21 1 says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth so, John the Revelator, writing under, well, he's dictated, being dictated by the angel from Christ under the spirit of righteousness, writes that he sees a new heaven and a new earth. It goes right back to Genesis 1 1. Mm-hmm. In the Bereshit. Yeah. I
1: like what Isaiah 65 17 says when it says, Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. And then in Revelation 21 it says, Then I saw a new heaven
0: and a new yeah. earth. Alpha, Omega. There's a okay. beginning, there's an end. There's a Rashid and an Ahari. Mm-hmm. There is an end to that duration of time. Isaiah sees that duration. John the Revelator seeing the ending of that. uh, Right. I guess what I'm trying to say, folks, what we're trying to tell you is, honestly, look up. your redemption is is nigh. Mm -hmm. It's close. And globally, I'm not just talking, you know, most of our audience is here in America. And we know we have our problems and we have this upcoming election and people are unnerved by it. Yeah. You know, no matter who is elected, they, just people are unnerved. It's just a very, very, probably the darkest time in history. I yeah, in, in I this agree. in this country, uh, politically, um, things th- th- about to come. You know, economically and the civil unrest and uh, just the the constant agenda. Mm-hmm. But it's not just America. It's it's everywhere. It's yeah. it's global. It's 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 our friend Marcos in Brazil, and mm-hmm. um, it's Argentina and Venezuela, and it's it's everywhere. It's Italy. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to go. It's 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 all very very dark.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a, a whole mixing time. of um, the globe. Yeah. All the nations, yes, you know? and like what we just had um, with the internet, you know. Yes, and, the
0: giveaway uh, on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Scary. It is. Revelation twenty two shows the role of Genesis one one in shaping the form and content of the vision of the future in Revelation twenty two, and that's I find that interesting that there's a beginning. In one one, and then there's an, a, an implied end. There's a Aharit Hayamim, mm-hmm. the last day, and then the last book of our scriptures, Revelation twenty two, harkens right back to Genesis one one. New heaven and new earth. That there's no human that could that have that could put that together. No,
2: Mm-mm.
0: absolutely not. Absolutely not. So let's explore the beha, beha Arit Hayamim pattern in the Pentateuch a little, little more. There's a pattern here. So, so far I've been talking and you might just be listening going, hmm, I kind of get what you're saying, Brother Kapow, but not really. Because Genesis one one says, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. It doesn't say anything about ending the heaven and earth. It doesn't have that. You're just implying that through... Grabbing other scriptures. But I'm going to show you this pattern that's pretty convincing. Um, and it's just fascinating. Just fascinating. Let me start off with this. There is a technique. There's a technique in Genesis and really in all of the Pentateuch using a poetic speech at a short epilogue to conclude a narrative. It's well-known in biblical literature and it occurs frequently within recognizable segments of the Pentateuch itself. All right, so there will be a narrative. I'll give you examples too. There'll be a narrative. Then at the end of this narrative, there'll be a poetic discourse by one of the characters. And then there'll be a short epilogue. And you see there's a pattern throughout Genesis and throughout the whole Pentateuch that has this pattern. And it's quite amazing. The creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 concludes with the short poetic discourse of Adam in chapter 2, verse 23. And then it's followed by an epilogue in verse 24. That's the first time it occurs. So there's a narrative about the creation account, And then you'll have a poetic discourse from Adam or of Adam in verse 23, chapter 2. And then it's followed by an epilogue in verse 24. And you people can read those on your own. The account of the fall in chapter 3 concludes with a poetic discourse in verse 14 through 19. And then an epilogue in verses 20 through 24. The account of Cain in chapter 4 concludes with a poetic discourse in verse 23-24 and an epilogue in verses 25-26. through The fact that this same pattern can be found throughout Genesis suggests that it was an important part of the compositional technique used by the author of this book, which is the Spirit of Righteousness. Most notably is the occurrence of the pattern in the Joseph story in chapters 37, 48 in Genesis, which concludes with the poetic discourse of Jacob's blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. The poetic speech, the short epilogue pattern recurs at a much higher level within the entire Pentateuch suggesting that the technique was extended as part of the structure embracing the whole of the book. So there is a pattern, folks. Does that does that kind of make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a narrative, then there's a poetic discourse, and then there's an epilogue, and there's a pattern. In Adam, in the fall, in Cain, in Joseph, and then you see it on a much bigger scale throughout the Pentateuch. There's a macro, a macro pattern. Oh yeah. And this all now this is all going to tie into the Be'aharit Hayamim pattern in the Pentateuch, the last days. This is this is how I'm I'm making my point here. This is how I'm substantiating what I'm saying. There are three macro junctions in which a major poetic discourse is spliced on the end of a large narrative discourse. The first one is Genesis 49. The second one is Numbers 24. And the third one is Deuteronomy 31. This pattern, in all three of those Macro junctions I talked about has the central character calling an audience together and then proclaiming something to them about what will happen in the last days or days to come. Right. All three of them. It's a pattern. So the three central characters that you're dealing with is Jacob in Genesis, Balaam in Numbers, and Moses in Deuteronomy. Like I said. All three call an audience together. Jacob says in Genesis 49.1, Jacob says to his sons, gather around. Mm -hmm. Balaam says, come. And Moses says, assemble. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: All three of them proclaim, so I can tell you. Jacob says that in Genesis. Or Balaam in Numbers, let me warn you. Or Moses says, so I can speak. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, gather around so I can warn you. All three of them in this pattern prophesy what will happen. That's what Jacob says in Genesis. Balaam says, we'll do. Or Moses says, we'll fall. Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you. Gather around so I can tell you what will fall upon you. And all three say, in days to come, or the Hebrew, Be'aharit, Hayamim. It only occurs four times throughout entire scripture, and these are three times where it's tied into these last days. Mm -hmm. The other place is Deuteronomy 4, and I didn't even look at that, because it's not part of this pattern.
1: Yeah, But I'm looking at this pattern, and it takes me to the New Testament with Jesus, where he um, is the central character, Mm -hmm. and he's calling people, come, and let me tell you what, so I can tell you what is going to come in the end days.
0: Exactly. They're walking out of the temple, Mm -hmm. look at these stones, Jesus says, I'm telling you right now, none of these stones are going to be uh, standing on one another, and so... They uh, they get together. Hey, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Gather around. Let me tell you what's going to what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, in the last days. There's going to be many false prophets. And this mm-hmm. and that, and this and that. Beah harit hayamim in days to come. So this pattern is that all three of these characters in the Pentateuch—Jacob, Balaam, and Moses call an audience together, they proclaim so I can tell you, they prophesy what will happen and all three say the same phrase in days to come. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, be hayamim, in days to come. So these poetic discourses are to be read eschatologically or prophetically. And it's amazing because now you can go back and read a poetic discourse in the Pentateuch, like, say, Adam or the fall of man. And you can read it because it, it's interpreted prophetically.
1: Right. No wonder the the Bible says that Jesus is the spirit of prophecy.
0: Yes. Yes. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. Because he created time... We look at time linear, but he cre- he created it. He knows the beginning and the end of it. Mm-hmm. He, he he sees the spiral, the yeah, circle. that's of why it.
1: one day to him is like a thousand years, or a thousand years like one day. Yes, it's, it's eternal.
0: Yes, there's no time. It's nothing to him. That, that's how big the Creator God is. That's why you got to find that little narrow gate and stay in it. And one of the things that came to me when I was like studying this was the occultist. Um, if you remember um, Alistair Crowley, it, he says things like um, "As above, so below."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The occultic thing: "As above, so below." Do what they wilt is the whole of the law. As above, so below. But as I was studying this, this thing. I was saying that's a little G God thing. They're, they're very limited to their their vertical. As right. above, what we that's do right. up there in the skies with our little UFOs and our little matrix casting illumination stuff that's what's reflected down there in your society mm-hmm. but god is not as above so below god's not even horizontal god is past present future he's alpha and he's beginning and end right he's a receipt he's mm-hmm. he's he's not as above so below that's so minute right God is eternal. Limited. Yeah, limited. <laughs> God is eternal. These little G's hate that. Yeah. They can't stand that. That's, that's why they want to, They want to. I want to sit inside in the north. I want to be, be God. Eat, eat the fruit of good and evil and be like God. They hate that. Right. Because they, they know they had a beginning. They're created, right? They know they have... An end. An end. They have a aharit. And they know about... um Beharit hayamim. They have an end day. They have a last day. And Isaiah
1: forty twenty eight says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, and neither is weary? And there is no searching of his understanding.
0: Mm. Way bigger than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, you're trying to even try to uh, comprehend.
1: Mm-mm. There really isn't any language. No. That could
0: that could describe God. And that's why too the scriptures say the fool says in his heart the there is no God. Yeah. How foolish can you be? All you have to do if you just open this this scripture up and look at what we're just talking about. Come on. Mm-hmm. The that's Pentateuch true. shows an intense interest in the past. And the bi'ah harid hayamim, this pattern, it shows an intense interest in the future as well. You see, it's all one. It's future's history. It's not just linear. What happened in the past portends what will happen in the future. Past events foreshadow the future. This is why Jesus says when he was talking about uh, the end days the last times the um, with the consummation of that Jewish age the Mosaic Covenant the Sinai Covenant when he talked about it he, he says he warns them, and he says when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not be get the heck out grab your stuff go up to the mountains get out of Judea Talking about it, it, it happened, it happened in AD seventy exactly how like he said, but he referred to a term, abomination of des- desolation, standing where it ought not to be. He referred referred to a term of past history in the book of Daniel,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Daniel nine, and in that intertestamental period, there was the Hasmonians, the Maccabees, and um, Antiochus. Epiphanes IV is the one who took a pig and slaughtered it on the altar of God mm-hmm. in the temple and then burned the temple and did all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, it's Jewish history, Maccabees 1 and 2 especially. But Jesus refers back to that. Why? Because the past portends what will be in the future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It looks the same. So in this presentation, when we're talking about the Genesis 1 prophecy, we're going back to that that word that came to me in my sleep, we we have arrived at Genesis 1. If we have, if that in fact is true, or if I was just eating late night tacos, I don't know, but if that's in fact true, that we have arrived at Genesis 1, we have arrived in the beginning God created, mm-hmm. there's a sheet and now... We're looking at the end, the ahari, yeah, the ending of that, the conclusion, the alpha, the omega, the new heaven and the new earth, the end of this illusion as we know it, mm-hmm. because that's that's what it is in God's eyes. It's time that He created that has a duration of time, just like. Today's your birthday. It's an illusion for just that day. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But it's not the rest of the week or the rest of the year. It's only just that one period of time. Mm
1: -hmm. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. I've really enjoyed this study. Yes. There's a lot to chew on and a lot to think about.
0: Yes. And you can just go on and on and on.
1: And it really puts this awe in your heart about God. Mm Mm-hmm. You know he's just amazing,
0: and, I, and that's one of the things. When we started this series a couple of weeks ago, I told I told you that you know this this these words came to me in my sleep, you know, twice, like NASA astronauts speaking on a radio. You know, we've arrived at Genesis One, and I explained to you about testing the spirits. And, you know, because a lot of stuff, it gave you examples how other things came to my brain that were not of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so you test the spirits. But one of the things I talked about is if it leads you on a journey like this to -hmm. study scripture and and realize the magnificent and uncomprehensible magnitude Mm -hmm. of God, how can that be from Satan? Why would Satan give me or you... Anything that would lead you to dig into scripture and see patterns and see prophecy and see the end and the last days.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? There would be no reason. Mm-hmm. He would want to give you words and knowledge and give you stuff to lead you in the opposite direction or in false doctrine or mm-hmm. false teaching. you know so I'm just I'm just saying to me, for me, this study clarifies what the words that came to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I I do believe we have arrived at Genesis one, and if my understanding is correct, that means we we saw the beginning. We've lived in this history mm-hmm. that was forthcoming since so Genesis one one, and now it's time to look up because the redemption is going to be drawing very clear, very very near, very, near. Mm-hmm. very soon with the aharit. Right. There's a beginning and there's an end. And uh, I do think we've we've arrived at Genesis 1. I mean, there's mm-hmm. we're there. We talked about last week how we we've already gone through Babylon. The the great apostasy. We've seen it. It's not like, oh, it, the church has become an apostate. Oh, it's getting so bad. It is. It has been. It's it's done. Mm-hmm. I don't know where else in history you could find such apostasy in, in the so-called house of God.
2: Right.
0: And in so-called Christianity. It's so apostate. It's so unbiblical. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The tower has been built. That portal has been built a long ago, and now it's scattered. Mm-hmm. The church isn't unified. Is it unified? Oh, they no. want ecumenical unification. They want everybody to be Catholic and be like the They Pope. want a mixing. Mix it all up. Mix the Babylonian religion with true religion, and no one will know. Mm-hmm. It's the poop sandwich technique. But it's not unified, it's scattered. God scatters it. The Bible says God brings the great delusion. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's scattered. They're not unified. They never will be. That's why you can drive down every street and you have this church, that church, this church, that church. Well, they all believe in the same God, the same Bible. Why do we have 15 churches in, a, in one city? I don't know. I never can figure that out. Yeah. But that's why. It's, a, it's apostasy. So Babylon is coming and gone. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we are in the days of Noah. That's for sure. It's wicked. It's so evil. There's so much bloodshed globally. Mm-hmm. And it's regular people. It's not just wars. It's not just massive bloodshed. It's just individuals blowing up, shooting, mm-hmm. doing things at malls. In different countries. Right. Everywhere. People, they're just snapping and killing each other. Never mind all the abortions and... GMO killings and hidden killings through our food and things like that. Mm-hmm. vaccinations. Never mind that. Mm-hmm. There's so much bloodshed. the The very things that God destroyed the first people are the things we see today. Plus we see the genetic um, manipulation.
1: Mm-hmm. And always with an end, there's that uh, deep evil.: Yes, saturated evil. That it it has to end.
0: Yes. And it's the same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. On the plains of Sodom, it came to God's attention, this incredible wickedness Mm -hmm. from these people living on the plains of Sodom. And the New Testament says they were having um, sex with strange flesh, Mm -hmm. alien flesh, foreign flesh, some kind of manipulation, Mm -hmm. genetic stuff. Angel with man, watcher with the humans again.
1: It's the rebellion, the rebellion of man, rebellion of the demons, you know what I mean? And it's just gotten to that point where it has to end.
0: It has to end. It, the, the The cup of iniquity fills. Mm-hmm. So I guess the point is, unless I'm totally off my rocker, the words that came, we have arrived at Genesis 1. If this means what I think it means then we, in fact, have arrived at Genesis 1. didn't say we are arriving, or someday we have. We have. Mm-hmm. And I don't see heaven and earth being created, but I can envision a new heaven and a new earth Amen. being created. Oh, yes. Amen? Amen. Anything else to add?
1: Ciao, babies.
3: Spiritual lives Heard the teachings of men Who have lied But all I know Is Jesus Christ And Him crucified for me About the sins that I did commit For which Jesus died on that tree